Hello, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. Well, um, you know, over, over time, I have had a goal and a, a, a vision for my life that someday, when I leave the house, all I need to take is my phone. No watches, no wallets, you know, it can pay for everything, unlock everything. Um, and, and when they, they first announced smartphones, I thought, that's, that's what I'm going to be. That, I'm going to be one of those guys that only needs one thing. But something has happened to me over time. Um, I've gotten old, that is correct. Um, though your birthday is on the same day as mine, just a couple years earlier. But I've started collecting things that I walk around with. Um, I've got my phone. I've got my wallet. I've got my keys. I've got my AirPods. I've got recently an addition, a knife, you know, because you always need a knife with you everywhere you go. And I've got my watch. So instead of one thing, I have one, two, three, four, five, six things that I carry every day and have to find where they are and have a little place that I set them all on my end table. And, and this the idea of everyday carry is what they call it. There's YouTube channels, there's podcasts about it. What, how do you curate exactly the perfect stuff you need to make it through a day? And the fact is, almost every day, I use all these things. I use them for different things to get into my house, to drive my car, to pay for things I need, to get everything else done in the world, to check my heart rate because that is well worth whatever that costs, you know, to listen to podcasts and learn and to open Amazon boxes, which is why you really need a knife with you every day. But these tools are useful and helpful and they're with me all the time. They help me accomplish what I need to do throughout a day. And even though I thought I could get rid of some, I found the more I've had, the more useful it is and the more I can accomplish. And God has given us a few tools to accomplish the mission that he has for our lives that we need to take with us every single day. Things that he has provided that you don't want to leave the house without because he has a mission that's bigger than anything any of us can imagine. And we need to use the tools he provides for us to accomplish that mission. And our big idea today is that you are prepared for missions. You are prepared for missions. You have what you need to accomplish the call of God on your life, to accomplish the task that he has set up for you. Now, you may be sitting here and you're like, I don't even believe God exists. That's okay. These things still work, even if you don't believe in him. These things are still effective for the kingdom of God, even if you don't believe, because your belief cannot stop the goodness of God. Your lack of belief cannot stop the advancing of the good, beautiful, healing, life-giving kingdom of God. Now, my hope and my dream and my prayer is that you'll encounter the goodness of God the love of Jesus, the grace of God, that you will walk in that fully because there's nothing more joyful and satisfying and empowering than knowing Jesus Christ. Mark 16, 15, which is the word of God. At Highland, we believe scripture is the inspired word of God. It is living. It is active. It 
changes us and makes us more like him. We believe that it does not return void, but does the good work in our hearts and in the world it's meant to do. That this is the word of the Lord, Mark 16, 15. And he, Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. In our world right now, 2.4 billion people claim Christ as Lord and Savior. They would say they're Christians or followers of Jesus. 2.4 billion, but the population of the world is over 8 billion people, which leaves 5.6 billion people not knowing Jesus. 5.6 billion is such a big number that my brain cannot grasp it. I was doing the math on my calculator to confirm it, and I'm like, how many zeros are there? And, and those numbers can get so big that we just see them as numbers. But every one of those numbers is an individual. Every one of those 5.6 billion people have not experienced the forgiveness and the hope and the joy and the presence of Jesus Christ and his heart's desire, the reason God created humanity is so that we could be in relationship with him. Not so we could perform perfectly or go to church or never say a bad word or always do everything perfectly. No, it's because he wanted relationship with us. I, Christy and I didn't have kids because we wanted little kids that performed perfectly. We wanted relationship with our children. We wanted to know them. We wanted to grow in life with them. We wanted to prepare them for what the world has. So missions, when I use the term missions today, what I'm talking about is reaching the unreached, reaching those 5.6 billion people who have not yet experienced the presence of God. And the beautiful part is God reaches in 5.6 billion different ways to reach people. He reaches out to each person in a different way that they need. But he has called us to be those reachers us to be those on mission, to reach the unreached, to share the gospel with someone. Maybe you know someone, you're like, yeah, they've, been, they've heard it. They've been to church. They've given up, or they never accepted Jesus as their leader, as their Lord, as their God. Maybe they haven't heard the truth in a way that connects with them. Maybe you will share the hope of Jesus in a way that no one else has and no one else can, that it would come alive inside of them and they would discover forgiveness and peace and wholeness and restoration in their life. Because that's what Jesus died for. That's what Jesus rose for. That's what Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to accomplish. So as today we talk about missions, reaching the 5.6 billion with the good news of Jesus. This is really close and really deep to us as a church. Uh, we're part of the Assemblies of God Fellowship, which is a group of churches that got together and are a group of believers. They weren't churches. They were just people who loved Jesus and loved people that got together back over 100 years ago, about 110 years ago, and decided that people need to meet Jesus. They had such an incredible encounter with Jesus and his Holy Spirit. They decided to form a missions organization, which was called the Assemblies of God the gathering of people around God. 
And they started sending missionaries, men and women and teenagers out into the world, the far corners of the earth to share Jesus with people. But they also sent them across the block to share Jesus with people, empowered by the Spirit of God. And I just want to read a little section here off the Assemblies of God website. With God's help, we have stayed on mission over the past 109 years And the results are astounding. Today, the Assemblies of God World Missions partners with nearly 370,000 churches worldwide, almost 54 million adherents. Our latest statistics show that 54 seconds, every 54 seconds, somewhere in the world, a person comes to Christ. And every 81 minutes, a new church is planted. And that's what we are just a part of. Now, yeah, praise God for that. And I love being a part of the Assemblies of God. I mean, it is in my blood. I mean, I'm fourth generation Assemblies of God. But I'm more committed to Jesus than an organization. But boy, does it help to go with others that are on mission, that have the same goal and the same purpose. So we're an Assemblies of God church, and a huge key of that is our heart for the lost. And it's been interesting. Over the last year and a half, I've been talking about the lost and the saved. And I've had a number of people say, what do you mean when you say that? What does it mean to be saved? What do you mean when you say the lost? So I just want to define those, and then we're going to get into our points, guys. I promise. We'll get through our three points. It'll be okay. We'll get out of here on time. But the lost is anyone who hasn't experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that has never repented from the old way of thinking and changed their mind to think about Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They're lost. They haven't been welcomed into the family or they haven't accepted the invitation to come into the family of God, to accept that all their sins are wiped away. Every mistake, every missed mark in their life is covered by Jesus' sacrifice and that they become part of the family of God. That's what we mean by the lost. Now, the saved is anyone who's been saved by Jesus, who's been rescued from their sin, rescued from their old life, rescued from guilt, shame, and hell, and come into the kingdom of God. So if I use those terms lost and saved, that's what we're talking about today. But God has given us some everyday carries that we can take with us to see the lost saved, to see the 5.6 billion people have an opportunity to make a personal decision to follow Christ and be saved. The first and most powerful tool he's given us, we're starting with the first, not saving the best for last, kicking it off is pray. Pray, 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 pray for the lost. Pray for those that don't know Jesus. Uh, Pastor Dan Winkleman, who's a part of our congregation, who's been a missionary for years to Myanmar, Burma, and now is on mission to help people pray for the Buddhist world, to pray. That is the last push of his life he has felt to help people learn to pray for the lost, to give of our time, our energy, and our thoughts to God to believe for the lost. But God tells us there's already a huge number of people who want to come to Jesus. They're eager to know God. They're eager to believe that someone loves them, that the God of the universe knows their name and has died to forgive their sins and rose from the dead 
that they could live forever. But they haven't heard. They haven't been communicated to in a way they can understand. They haven't been invited into the kingdom by a fellow human being who knows Jesus. So Jesus, before he ever called us to pray for the lost, he wanted us to pray for workers. Pray for workers to go into the harvest field. The way that he puts it is, the fields are white for harvest. Pray for workers to go into the harvest field. So if you don't know how to pray for the lost, pray for workers. Say, Lord, will you please send more people to be missionaries? Lord, will you please send more people to my community to share Jesus with people? Will you please send those to do the good work of the ministry? A lot of times we lose the opportunity to speak into the lives of people close to us. I've noticed this, especially with family members. You can only say it so many times till they shut down. Isn't that true? Have you experienced that? You're like, don't talk to me about that again. And uh, that's a great time to pray for a worker to go into that harvest field. Pray for an individual who will go and share Jesus with them in a way they can understand. I always pray this way, Lord, let it be someone they admire and respect that communicates the truth in a way they can understand it because they're no longer hearing from me. In fact, this happened with my grandpa on my mom's side. He was a lifelong good man. He did good things. He served his community. He helped the poor. He, in an age that this was very uncommon, took my mother around to different places where poverty ruled the area, inner city New York, and reservations for Native Americans because he wanted her to see and meet individuals that were suffering and know that they were equal with her. And this was back in the 1950s when that was not very common. He was a good man. He went to church every Sunday. He gave money to church, but he never accepted Jesus Christ as the savior of his soul. He said, I'm good. I've made my way in the world without any handouts, and I'm certainly not going to take one for my soul. I've been a good man. And my mom, once she came to know Christ in her college years, shared the gospel with my grandpa over and over, and he finally said, never talk to me about that again. She had lost the opportunity to be the worker in his harvest field, so she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed for decades for my grandfather. Two weeks before he passed away, a Methodist pastor who was the new pastor at the church and understood the gospel of salvation, just happened to go visit Howard Pierce, my grandpa, and said, Howard, the end is near. Are you ready for what this next journey requires? Is your soul right? Are your sins forgiven? My grandpa paused. He said, I've had everything I've needed in this world, but I don't know about the next. And this pastor said, would you mind if I share with you how you know you're ready? And he said, Jesus 
came to earth as a human, being fully God and fully man, and gave his life to pay for everything you have ever missed, every mistake you've ever made, every sin you've committed, every time you didn't do what you should have done, and every time you did do what you shouldn't have. And he wants to wipe that off your record. And all he asks is that you begin a relationship with him and let him lead you on the journey from here on out. Would you want to do that? And my grandpa said, yes, two weeks before he passed away. And he said, my only regret in life is that I didn't pray that prayer and come to that realization decades before. But my belief is that good old stubborn Polish man, Grandpa Pierce, which wasn't the original name, they changed it. It ended with a ski at one point in our history needed those years and needed those decades of prayer and needed that other man to come into his harvest field to share Jesus with him. So do not give up praying for those that are lost in your family because he has someone in the future that will come to them. But our job is to pray. But also pray for the lost. Mark 16, 15 says this. Um, or no, yeah, that's, nope, I'm down at Romans 10, 1. It scrolled up too far. Um, Romans 10, 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them, for them is that they may be saved. This is Paul writing to the Roman church. He's saying, my heart's desire, what eats at me, what burns inside my soul, and my prayers are for the lost to be saved. Paul was one of the greatest missionaries in the ancient days, in the birth of the church age, and his heart's desire, his prayer was for the lost to be saved. And honestly, sometimes it's confession time at Highland Church. I don't want all the lost to be saved. When I see the evil and vileness and destruction that humanity can wreak on other humanity, I get a little judgmental. I want my neighbor to be saved as long as they make sure they stay on the lot line. I want my kids to be saved. I want my friends to be saved. I want those who think like me to be saved. But there are times that I don't pray with intensity for those that act and think and value differently than me. And that's a sin. Pray, not just for the human trafficked one to be set free from the trafficking, but for the trafficker to be saved. Pray for the one whose views are so despicable to you, you can barely stomach hearing what they think for them to be saved by the grace and power of Jesus Christ that cancels every sin. That they would repent from those ways and turn to him. Pray for the person that lives a lifestyle that you just can't even believe any human could conceive of as being normal and natural, and it certainly isn't pray that they would become your brother or sister in Christ. Pray for that person who seems to behave perfectly and live just right, but their soul is far from Jesus. Pray for the lost. Pray that the Holy Spirit will show them the better way, will show them the way of peace and forgiveness and grace and comfort. And I'll tell you, as you pray for that, you're going to start loving those people. 
You're going to start changing your mind about them and having the heart of Christ for them. Saying, oh, I thought you were my enemy. You're just a brother that hasn't come into the family yet. I thought you were the antithesis of everything I thought was important. I just realized you're not a sister. You're a sister who hasn't come into the family yet. I can't wait till you come home. I can't wait to open the doors and welcome you into my life because I once was lost and someone prayed for me and now I'm found. Another good way to pray for the lost is to pray for the dirt. Okay, pray for the dirt of their hearts. There's a story that Jesus tells, a parable. A parable is a spiritual story with a significant truth that helps us understand it about a sower, a sower who goes and plants seeds everywhere, Uh, a farmer who's getting the seeds planted and the seed falls on four different kinds of ground, a path that's all beat down. Then there's some uh, rocky soil with just a little bit of soil, but a lot of rocks. Then there's soil with seeds or with weeds in it. And then there's good black dirt soil. And the seed that falls on the path gets stolen away. The birds come and peck at it and take it. The seeds that fall on the rocky soil spring up right away because they don't have much place to put roots down, so they only go up. But then the sun comes and scorches them because they have no roots. The seeds that fall in the weeds get choked out by the weeds and they don't have the nutrients needed to survive. And the seeds that fall on black dirt grow, and produce fruit. Who knew that Jesus understood agriculture so well? For a carpenter, the seeds that fall on the path are when the gospel is shared with someone and Satan lies to them and steals the good news of Jesus out of their life. That's what Jesus explains this story as. The next one, seeds that fall on On rocky soil are people who get super excited when they get saved and it's all emotionalism, but as soon as trials come along, they give up on Jesus because he didn't protect me from all the challenges in life. And they, this is just a little hint inside baseball for church life. Whenever someone comes and it's their first Sunday and they're like, I love this church, I'll be back every week. I never see them again. But the slow and steady ones that are like, I'm going to check this place out. I'm going to watch online a couple weeks. Then I'll come in very late and leave very early. Then I'll hang out for a while. I'm like, ooh, there's some roots going on there. There's going to be something that lasts there. Then those where it's planted on, on the weeds, the weeds choke it out. And Jesus says those weeds are the worries and cares of this world. Some of what Joan was talking about, the things that you've allowed to stay in your life that God wants to weed so there's room to grow. And then the seeds that fall on the black dirt, that's good soil. So I pray for dirt. Lord, Lord, let the soil of the hearts of people be open, ready to receive the goodness of God, that it'll go down and and be good. Because you can have the same message communicated to someone four different times, and it's not till the fourth time that their heart is ready for it. So pray for the soil of the hearts of those who don't know Jesus. Maybe your heart is to pray for those on the other side of the world. Pray. Maybe it's to pray for people in power. Pray. Maybe it's to pray for those who are poor and destitute. Pray that the soil of their hearts would be ready when the word comes. They'll receive it. 
Matthew 9, 38 says this, Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. So again, praying not only for the people to go, for the soil to be ready, but for the laborers to be sent out. It's kind of like a coach sending people in to the game at the right place. You get to be on the sidelines praying, oh God, send this person to go. And Highland Church, you got, you're ascending church. You got a lot of people here who have gone into the mission field, gone to do the work, and it is exciting. You're going to hear about more of them in just a couple seconds here. Number two, not just pray, but go, 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 do something. Go out of your comfort zone. Go out of your normal place to share Jesus. John 20, 21 says this, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. But I love that he starts with peace. Peace. I'll tell you, when I was taught to do evangelism, which is sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus with people, I had no peace in my heart. We'd go door to door knocking cold calls. Hi, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That did not go well. I think over the, the year and a half I did that, I prayed for two people to accept Jesus, and my guess is they were just trying to get this kid off their doorstep. Not that it's bad. God does move in that way, but there was no peace in it. But Jesus wants to give you a peace that when you go, you go holy. You go fully as yourself. Not putting on someone else's script. Not putting on someone else's armor. Not going as an imitation of another person, but you in peace, showing up wherever you are, being who you are, with the glory of God shining out of you. That those who are lost see a light and say, what is going on there? There's something different in that person's life. That when Jesus comes, it comes not out of a, a grasping or a, oh, I better fulfill my duty to share Jesus, but it's an outflow of who you are because you've already been praying You've already been praying for God to prepare you and to send workers, and you didn't realize you were praying for yourself. Oh, I'm one of those workers. I'm one that's being sent out. I'm a sent one. I'm a goer. That is God's plan for me. And let me tell you, when you get the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus, to pray with them and, and say, hey, would you want to accept Jesus to forgive you of every mistake, bring grace and peace into your life, and give you a promise of hope and his presence for eternity, and a God who's got your back and is by your side, and you see that person change their mind from being an unbeliever to a believer, it is one of the greatest joys in my life. This is what I compare it to. I was in the delivery room when both my boys were born. And when they come out and they take that first breath, <gasps> and I get to cut that cord and I'm in the room, there's no words to describe what that's like. My lips go numb. My fingers are tingling. Maybe that's all the blood too. But, you know, you're just like, this is living. This is living. Getting to see this life in front of me. And when you have the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus, you are watching death to life, spiritually dead to spiritually alive, the Holy Spirit filling them and overflowing out of them. There is nothing like it. Sadly, the statistics say 97% of Christians never lead another person to Jesus. And that's because I think we put a lot of weird weight on it. We don't let the peace lead us. 
we let the should or have to lead us. But man, my prayer for you, my heart's desire for you, Jesus' goal and joy for you is that you'd have opportunities to lead people to him. But you got to go to see that happen. Mark 16, 15 says this, and he, Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. This is called the Great Commission. And I want you to think about that word commission, co-mission. You're not on it, in it on your own. You are doing a co-mission with every other Christian who's going, but with the God of the universe who's going with you. He is sending you. He is with you in this, that we are on co-mission with God. The way we say it around here is taking the life-changing love of Jesus into every neighborhood. That's what we get to do. We get to go and take the life-changing love of Jesus into every neighborhood. What's the neighborhood you have access to? Some of you have access to one little neighborhood. Awesome. That's yours. You own that. That's your territory. Share Jesus. Be kind. Share his goodness, his grace, his love, his freedom from guilt, sin, and shame. Some of you have huge access to a lot of neighborhoods. Go there. Share Jesus with them in a way they can understand it. Paul, who we mentioned earlier, was on a missionary journey. He had to ride a donkey. He had to walk. He had to sail on a ship. Sometimes he was a prisoner on a ship that sank and washed ashore and got bitten by a snake. And everyone worshipped him when he didn't die, when he's trying to point him to Jesus. We believe he was beheaded in the end of his life. He was wrongfully accused. He was locked up for years when his heart's desire was to be out there. But he didn't stop going. In fact, when he was convicted for sharing Jesus with people, he appealed to Caesar. And the the man in the courtroom said, I would have let you go today. You would have been a free man now. But because you appealed to Caesar, because Paul's goal was to reach Caesar with the gospel, he wasn't looking for, for fairness in the legal system. That's not why he appealed to Caesar. He thought, I get to stand before the most powerful person in the known world and share the gospel with him. So he was willing to put himself at inconvenience time after time after time so he could go. What do we find inconvenient? What do we say? Uh, it'd be a little awkward conversation. I don't think I'll remember. They'd be offended if I shared that the God of the universe knows who they are, really loves them, gave everything for them, and cares about them more than they know. Oh, they'd be so offended by that. Really? Who's going to be offended that God loves them, that he cares about them? That we get to go and carry this light into the darkness. Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So again, we talked about the peace of God, but then the Spirit of God empowers you to go. Sometimes we don't even realize the going that we have going on in our lives. We think we're just going to work. No, you're going to a mission field. We think we're just changing a diaper. No, that little one's your mission field. We think we're just trying to not get in a fight with our husband or our wife. No, they are your mission field. Bring Jesus to them. Let the presence of God show up in that space. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem, that's our city. Stevens Point, Plover, Amherst, uh, Nakusa, wherever you're from, that's your, your Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria, that's your country. Those who are like you and those who aren't like you and uttermost parts of the earth, 
That's the world. And we're going on a missions trip to the uttermost parts. We just had a meeting this morning about our Moldova missions trip on August 1st through the 10th. We're going there. It is exciting. We, get, we're, we can bring 16 people total. If you're interested, let me know. And uh, we'll get you the application and the process there. But it's going to be an awesome trip. We're going to build a church. We're going to help people in poverty. We're going to share the good news of Jesus with people with our hands, with our mouths, and with our hearts. And it's going to be awesome. So we're not just a praying church. We are a going church. God's prepared us for that. And then finally, we're a giving church. Give. Give to the work. That's the third tool that you should carry with you every day. How can you give to others doing the good work? In fact, this trip is going to cost about $2,500 a person. You may not be able to go, but you may be able to send someone else on that trip. Start praying, God, how much do you want me to give so others can go? Or maybe is there something I can sell that I had been sitting in the back of my garage for three years that I could use to send others on mission? How can I give to equip others to go? John 3, or 3 John 1, 6. Man, I even practiced that one. Like, I know I'm going to say John 3. 3 John 1, 6 says this. Who testified to you, to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Our job is to send others to do what we can't do to empower others to accomplish what we can't. We're going to share more details next week about how we have a strategy to do that. And uh, I'll give you a hint of it soon in a moment here, but we are the richest nation on the planet. We have more money and time than we know what to do with. Not everybody. I know, not everybody. But most of us, have more time and money than we know what to do with. And there are people around the world who desperately are in need that we could be a part of meeting their need. We could be a part of sending others to meet their need. In fact, the way that Jesus set up his disciples to go is he said it like this. When he sent them, he said, take no bag for your journey or even two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. Those who are going shouldn't have to spend time raising funds. They should just be able to go. Any amens from my missionaries in the house? There we go. There we go. They should not spend time having to stand in front of churches saying, please give me your money. We should fund them like they can't even imagine. We could say, dream bigger, dream bigger, dream bigger. We're sending you more money. Dream bigger. You got more to do. You don't have to worry about your clothes, your food, your, your finances, your travel. You, we got you. You go and do the work where we can't. That's my heart's desire that we get to do that for some people. We get to send some people who are willing to give their comfort, their culture, their time, their families, giving it all up to go to people they've never met to share Jesus. And we just give some money to them? Yeah, we get to do that. So the way we're going to do that, a new way we're moving into it, you, most of you, all of you should have gotten a Kingdom Builders brochure here. Kingdom Builders is a way we give to global missions, to local missions, and to future missions. We're going to give globally, locally, and into the future to accomplish this good work of the gospel, to provide for others to do the work of the gospel. 
On the inside there, you're going to see a list of the global, the missionaries we currently support. And I just was talking with someone this last week who's looking for more support and someone the week before who's looking for more support. There's no limit of people who are willing to go, but the funds seem to hold a lot of them back. Then you'll see under global there, some not after all the missionaries, there's Speed the Light, which helps provide vehicles for missionaries, and that flows out of our youth giving. BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge, which helps provide resources for our missionaries, and our special water filters project is part of that BGMC. Missions trip, Moldova, giving to those who are going globally, and then mission speakers, as we have missionaries come in and speak, we want to give them good gifts when they come, and not just be like, here's a hotel and a voucher for food. We want to bless them as they speak into our lives about the work going on around the world. Local, things like Night to Shine. Anyone involved in Night to Shine a couple weeks ago? That was awesome as we get to bless those out in our community. Royal Family Kids, foster care work, foster love. You're going to be hearing about that in a couple weeks. First Choice Pregnancy Resource Center for those in crisis pregnancy situations that they have the resources they need to care for their kids, to raise them well. Kirk and Sandy Brown, missions workers to foster care, the foster care world. Chi Alpha, any Chi Alpha crew, students here? Come on. We got our, our Stevens Point Chi Alpha, Milwaukee Chi Alpha, Oshkosh Chi Alpha, City on a Hill, Inner City Milwaukee Outreach. I talked about that during our Mercy Week. Church planting, we give every month to help plant churches around central, around Wisconsin and northern Michigan, and we plant churches ourselves. That's our part of who we are as a church. Um, special touch, any special touch people? People in the house? What, what? Being able to reach people with special needs, Tommy and Cindy Mayer, part of our own crew, right there they are. And we love helping to send you Youth Alive, which is what you heard about with Terrence Talley as they go into the high schools and junior highs and elementary schools around Wisconsin and northern Michigan to share hope. Suicides are stopped, friendships are reborn. Kids come to Jesus because of these outreach ministries. And then future. We're not just about global and local. We believe that God has a future plan for the church. Worship team, come on up. The Bible challenge. We give $1,000 for every for future education for our juniors and senior high schoolers who read the entire Bible with a mentor. So any one of you who wants to read through the whole Bible in a year or two with a mentor, you get $1,000 for future education. We want to pour into them that way. Internships. The last two summers, we've had amazing interns with us where we help prepare them for the work of the ministry, but it costs money. It's two to $3,000 per mentor, and that's if they live in the city. If they don't live here with mom and dad or, or family, then, then it's even more, but we want to invest in the future. Camp and convention convention. Our kids just got back from Kids Blast this weekend. Last weekend was uh, camp, winter camp for our teenagers, summer camp, conventions. We want to help sponsor students so every kid who wants to go can go. And then Spencer Lake Christian Center projects. Last year, we helped provide handicap accessible furniture for them over there. We want to invest in the future with campgrounds. Our campgrounds are where more kids get saved, more kids get called into the ministry, and more kids kids get baptized in the spirit than any other place in our state. It's an incredible opportunity. I'm a little excited about this, guys. This is good stuff. And the reason I share all that is just to say the need is great. It's not like, hey, we're almost there, guys. We almost got this licked. No. Next week, we're going to talk about how do we do this in a way that is healthy, 
How do we do this in a way that's God-honoring, that it isn't just another thing I give to, another subscription on my list, but how do we do this in a way that builds a close connection with Jesus? Because God could snap his fingers and meet every financial need, but he says, I don't want to do it alone. I want you to see the blessings of God flow through you to the world. So the last verse of the day, 1 Corinthians 9.14 says this, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So as you give to the world, they have a right to earn money to survive by the gospel. One of the other challenges we see with our missionaries is retirement. They've given all they have. They sold their house, their car. They gave it all for the gospel. And we want to help meet needs that when these men and women have retired, they have what they need to survive. We're the ones who are able to do it. We get to be a part of praying, of going, of giving. Earlier in the service, Joan shared beautifully and prayed about beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ, accepting his forgiveness. And I just want to encourage you, if you made that decision on our connection card, there's a place where you can say, accepted Jesus as my Savior. Welcome to the team. Welcome to the family. We want to help equip you. We want to help pray for you and send you and, and see you go into all that God has for you. But I just want to pray over us that we would have the heart of God for missions. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for all you've given to us, that you prayed for us first, that you went to us first, and you give to us first. Let us be more like you, Jesus. Show us who we can pray for. Show us where we can go. And give us the grace and faith to give, to send to others. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory. Bless your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, and please join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship service.